0: Welcome to iChurch. Oh, get ready for your blessing. For further information, visit us at iChurchOKA.com. And now, here's today's message. And I'm running. I'm probably heading to the bathroom. And the reason I'm heading to the bathroom is because I have incredible diarrhea and I have to make it there before. I, it's, now, if, now, if you're now, now, yeah, now I'm keeping it real. And many of you are saying, Pastor, don't say that. Come on, we have visitors. Well, that's that's the difference between this church and any other church. I'm going to be completely sincere with you guys. You know. I'm going to use that actually for my, the opening of my series. And, and you got to understand that if it's embarrassing for you, imagine me, this is recorded and this aired and we, get ni- we got 19,000 hits that downloaded our sermon last month. So you can imagine 19,000 people hearing me say that I have, and you guys are applauding that I have diarrhea or that 19,000 hits are, I don't know. And here it is. Here it is, guys. The reason I'm saying that is because it's, you know, God has, God has such a sense of humor. And I'm going to preach a series called Before I Die. And check this out, guys. This, this is why. I would run to the bathroom. I would run to the bathroom because I ate something a day or two days ago. I don't know when it was. I ate something that I got poisoned with. I ate something and it poisoned me and it really messed up my system. I mean, it messed me up bad. And yesterday we were working at the church building and I was all the way up on a lifter all the way. I was all the way to tippy tippy top and I felt I was falling. I'm like, man, I feel I'm falling. I feel I'm falling. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not afraid of heights. What is this? I've been this high before and I've got really, really dizzy and I was on the little edge. I'm like, what is it? So I got down, went home the next 24 hours after that i have been miserable. I've been on the floor. I've been hurling. I've been in the bathroom. I haven't stopped. Me and the toilet have become best friends. We've had many conversations, and it has been terrible, and there's the thing about it, guys. You know, at a certain moment, I don't know if you've ever been through that. Have you ever been through a sickness where you're just thinking, man, I wonder if it feels like this when you're dying, you know? And and, and, and it's funny because the series that I'm preaching is called Before I Die, and let me tell you where this series came from. The series came from because um, I watch a lot of TED Talks. I love watching them, and there was this one guy who was a paramedic, and He's a paramedic at New York City, and he's at New York City TED Talk, and, and he, he, he gave this talk. It's a five-minute talk that is just amazing. He says that that after – I think it's I, – I, I'm just – I can't remember exactly. I don't know if it was 10 or 15 years of being a paramedic. He talks about being a first responder and emergencies, and he says that that something that he's learned over 10 or 15 years is that stare that people give him straight into the eye when they're about to die. That look that they're giving him straight into the eye when they're about to die. And he says that after 15 years, he sat down and he's, and, he's, and he's recomposed in his head his experiences. And he realized something after a while. And he told his paramedic friends, and he says, Listen, I've realized something is that every, every time somebody's going to die, and we know they're about to die, they're on their deathbed, they're on the last minutes, I know that they always ask for the same thing. He said there's four things that they commonly ask for. So I decided to do research on that, and I started to ask people on the street, and I even sent our creative team out on the street to say it. And I looked in the Bible, and I found exactly the same thing. When somebody's about to die, we always tend to ask for the same thing. Now, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it has the same means Anyway. So so here you are, and I ask you a question today. If I were to hand out a piece of paper today and give everybody in this room a piece of paper right now, and I were to ask you one question, and I would I say, if you were about to die, but I mean, if you knew, because see, here's the difference. When you're sitting there say, I'm not about to die, I'm, I'm fine, I, I think I like this and this. No, no, no. If it's the last breath and, and you're, 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 you're inhaling your last breath and your eyes are growing weary and you know, I like this, like the paramedic was saying in this case, there was a woman that was, she, a car had hit her and she was trapped under. Under the dashboard and she was bleeding herself to death and you're dying and you're about to go. What what would you have wished for? You would say, I wish I would have what? I wish I would have and don't say it out loud, but I want you to think it in your head. I wish I would have done this before I died. Or I wish I would have done this before I died. I mean remember, these are your last minutes. So I wish I would have done this before I died. What would you have wished you have done before you died? You know, and that's a question I want to ask you. Now, I want to stop and I want to make a pause. I want to make a crazy transition to a subject that has nothing to do with this. And it's going to freak you out, but it's true. The Bible, before I teach the Bible, I want you to understand something. God doesn't just speak and hasn't just spoken through his word for many, many years. See, that's his main source of speaking with us. But if you go in Scripture, you're going to find how God spoke in many, many manners. In fact, if you think about it, in the Bible you'll see how great men of God, like, like Moses, was walking down the, the a desert and a burning bush lighted up and it was God speaking to him and telling him what he needed to know. And if you go to other portions, you see Job that walks up to a tree and in the midst of his worst moments, Job walks up to this tree and this tree, just looking at it, talks to him. In Psalm, I think it's 19, King David says, because the nature proclaims the greatness of God, he says, the heavens tell me of his glory and the stars tell me of his eternity. You know, there's a portion of the Bible where Paul writes in the book of Romans and he says, those heathens should have believed not because they heard the word, but because of what they have seen. You know, people don't necessarily have to read the Bible, understand it from Genesis to Revelation to be able to, for God to speak to you. God's spoken through so many ways. And when you look at the way Jesus taught when he was here, he taught with parables and he taught through ways that were weird. They were just, they were easy. They were applicable. And it may seem complicated because life is complicated. But the truth about it is because life is so complicated, God describes to us in easy ways. So he goes up to a farmer and he tells the farmer, hey, farmer, so. So you plant a seed. sow the solar seed you plant, that way you will reap. He tells us. He tells us um, in Matthew. He says. He says if a tree, if a tree is if you plant a tree and it doesn't bear good fruits, then you chop it down and toss it away because it doesn't serve its purpose. So God constantly in Scripture is using illustrations to speak to us. And there's one illustration at the end of his life that God is inspiring Paul to speak in Second of Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 and 6. There's this portion. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to base the whole series off of this. I'm going to teach you one thing today. But the first thing I want to show is that it says, for I am already, is Paul speaking, for I am already being poured. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink. He's saying, he's saying there's not much left in me. He's saying there's not much left in me. He says, but I'm being poured out like a drink, and the time for my departure is near. The time for, he's, what he's saying here, what Paul's saying is, guys, I'm dying. He's saying I'm dying. There's not much left, man. And now you've got to understand that if I'm going to listen to the words of somebody on their deathbed, it's going to be Paul. So Paul's saying on the deathbed, at the end of his death, he's saying, "He's saying, I'm about to die, and I want to say this right before I die." Now let me explain something to you. To me, this means a lot because about um, um, I'm going to say, whew, I'm going to mess up this date like I do all dates. But let's um, just say a while back. Bro, that way, I, mean, I don't lie. I don't mess up to anybody. A while back, um, I got diagnosed. Um, a doctor diagnosed me with a cancerous tumor inside my esophagus, and 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 when he saw the the cancerous tumor, um, he referred me to some other doctors. I went through neurologists. I went, you name it. I went through it. And this was um this was years ago. He came up to me, and one of the things that one of the doctors once said to me he says, "Your condition is so advanced. This is this is probably." I'm going to say like, like seven years ago. He said, Your condition is so advanced. Um, with your hands, your hands will turn, your fingers will stop working, your your blood circulation will stop working. There was I spent a week that I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I had three tias which are, are, are pre strokes and, and I was in really bad condition. And the doctor came to me and one of them I remember said, You you will never he says, I want you to know something. I want you he says, I want you to enjoy your life to the fullest because he said, Because you you and I was in the middle of everything in, my, in, my, in church, man. We were in the middle of everything. We were building a building. It was something like now. <laughs> something like now. We were building a building. The ministry was growing. People were growing. The church was growing. Just like now. It's exactly like now, but, but maybe triple the size. And everything was happening. Not this fast, though. This fast is crazy, but, but it was going and going and going. And I was in the middle of the boom and everything on the mission field in Puerto Rico, and, and the doctor sits with me and says, um, I don't believe... He, he says, Do you have a daughter? And I said, Yes, I do have a daughter. My daughter back then was probably like six or five, and and, and he said, um, enjoy every minute you have with her, he said. To to Hispanics, um, sweet 16s or 15s, they're called quinceañeras, and he said, because you will not see her quinceañera, you will not see that. Now, now Sarah's sitting in this room right now, and how old are you, Sarah? She's 11, so I'm four years short of living that experience. And when I have her quinceañera, and I'm not a traditional guy, I'm going all out. And the reason I'm gonna go out the reason I'm gonna go all out is because the doctor said, You will not see her. He said, You will not see that, you're too sick. So and I said, So how how many years do you think I have left alive? He said, Well I can't tell you, because I don't know, but it's not I don't think it'll be many more, so enjoy every minute you can. Now it's probably seven years later, right? Seven, eight years later. I'm still alive. And here's the thing about it. When you think about this, when somebody's on their deathbed, I remember that full week after the doctor said that, I'd go up to her her bed and while she was sleeping, I'd kneel down next to the bed and I'd just watch her breathe. I wanted every minute with her. I wanted every minute to count. I wanted every minute to be important to me. You know, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be able to hug her. I wanted to be able to appreciate her. I wanted to be able to love her. You know, things that you didn't pay a lot of attention to you start paying attention to so before you die and guys here here's the thing it's too it's we're at the end of 2014 can you believe that can you believe there's a first sunday of 2014 at the end of the year we're going we're going into another year and and it's and and you're going to start it's, it's it's all over i don't know is it just me or is it does it happen to you that when 12 o'clock midnight comes on new year's eve you're thinking is it over you know is it done what, what if, if you're a Christian, you're saying, have you ever, like, does the bell ring and uh, everybody starts, hey, happy new year. If anybody, like, just look up into the air to see if he's coming back, if Jesus' coming back. You know, have you ever thought about it if it's the last moment? You start hugging people, you start saying, I can't believe it, you know? I've done, I've done a tradition for the last, for probably for the last 10 years of my life. New Year's Eve, it's a party, but it's a party on my knees with all my brothers and sisters. I always go, I always find a retreated place, and I go with my family, and we, at 12 o'clock, we all drop on our knees, and we just start praising God for being so good to us. And it started just me and her, then it turned me, her, and others, and me, her, others, others, and now it's a great party. So this year, because we're in North Carolina, we decided. Start doing it here so we rented out hickory cove and we're going down there so everybody who wants the party we're gonna be in there okay and we go down there and what we do is we just we just everybody you know it's not it's not a service or anything like that. everybody just hangs out but here it is that last minute you're thinking what you know what 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 did you say i wish i would have done but i didn't Paul's saying, dude, Paul's saying, I'm, I'm about to die. You know, Paul's saying, I'm about to die. For I am being poured out like, a, like an offering. The time for my departure is near. He says, time's going away. Listen, there's one thing. I don't care if you're religious, you believe in God, or you don't believe in God. You believe in church, you don't believe in God. That's all right. That's all right. I hated church for a while, too. That's okay. But let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. I don't care who you are. There is one truth. And it's that you can't bring back yesterday. No matter how hard you try, you can't bring it back. So, whatever you missed out on, you missed out on. And here's the question what are you going to do with what you have today? And to all those, all those believers in Christ that are in the room, don't sit here acting like this series is going to be for those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because the truth about it, it should affect you more than it affects them. Why? Because you have Scripture and you know Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I'm about to die, my departure is near. And he says three things that are just totally awesome. He says three things that are totally awesome. And those three things wrap up one of the things most people say when they're about to die. Most people, and in fact, you know what, I'm going to sell you the whole series today. Look, look, people tend to say, one of the things people tend to say is, I want to forgive and be forgiven. I, I wish I, people, when they're about to die, say, man, I should have asked for forgiveness. You, would you guys come and watch the opening video next Sunday? It's going to be crazy good. It, it's a video that we found. It's an opening video of a son telling her mom what he wanted to say, but he didn't have enough time to say it to her. And, 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 and the video is just really touching. It's it's. Because when you're about to die, you say, you know, you argued with your wife or you argued with your son or with your dad or with your mom. And you walked out the door. And when you walked out the door, you don't know if you're coming back. You don't know if you're going to see him again. And you had this silly argument and you don't know if it's going to be there anymore. So you wish you would be able to say, listen, forgive me for what I said. I was too blunt. Or forgive me for offending you. Or, or can you forgive me because I failed you. there?" Are, and it's not just your wife. It may be your pastor. It may be it may be somebody in church. It may be a brother or sister, but there's somebody you wish. When people are about to die, there's somebody they want to fix things with. You know another thing people want to do? People, before they die, before people die, people want to see their loved ones. Not those, not just the ones they have to ask for forgiveness for, but the second thing is people want to see their loved ones. They, they, there's a face, you know. So there you are as a father. You're about to die and you're thinking, man, I wish I could touch her face one more time, my daughter. I wish I could kiss my daughter goodnight. I wish I could t- kiss my dad goodnight. I I wish I could say to this person that I love them. And you don't just want to find the people you forgave; you want to forgive, or you or you need to be forgiven. But the second thing we want is the people we love. The third thing that people want is that we we, we wish we wish we would have we would have enjoyed life a little more. <laughs> Said, man, I missed it. I was so involved in work, and I was so caught up in this, and I missed it. And today, what I'm teaching is the first lesson. And the first lesson is most people when they die, most people when they die, they come to this realization: they come. When I die, did I make a difference? Did did it count? Did it really count? Was there fulfillment in my life before I died? Who's going to remember me? What would they remember me for? What's going to be on your tombstone when you die? What's going to be on your tombstone? Here lies Elizabeth. Who, what? I'm going to go and graffiti on it. It had awesome cinnamon rolls. I'm going to ruin graffiti on it. You know, but, and here's the difference. Watch how ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to pinpoint Elizabeth. I'm going to grab her now. I'm, why? Because watch. He, here's, here's the pinpoint difference. You could have made, how many cinnamon rolls do you think you've made in your lifetime? Crazy number. I said, Pastor, I don't know a number of cinnamon rolls I've made. A thousand, two thousand, probably more than that, right? Okay, let's, let's just say two thousand cinnamon rolls. And here's the thing about it. Every cinnamon roll you made, did it count? And she could say it did. Probably didn't. And you pray, Pastor, that's sad. I'll come back to you at the end of the sermon. If I forget, God, he reminded me before the end of the sermon to come back to that. You're my wife. You have permission to say, hey, her cinnamon rolls. Okay, and I'll come back. I'll come back to that. Why? Because because I'm going to use that as an illustration to close the sermon today. I'm going to use that to close the sermon today. But I want you to pay attention. Look at this next Bible verse. Look at this next verse. I want you to see. He says, for I he says, he says, the first verse, he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. Then he says, I have fought the good fight. Yeah, keep the Bible verse on for me, okay? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Keep it there. Don't move. Don't put anything else. Keep it there. I want everybody to focus on the Bible. not nothing else. I want everybody to look at this. I'm going to stay on this verse and I want you to focus on it for a second. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the good race. I have kept the faith. Keep it there. Don't move it, please. He is saying, Paul is saying, I did this. I did this. Yeah, I did it. Paul is saying, I'm about to die, guys, but I did it. I made it count. Paul is saying, I made it count before I died. Before I croaked, before you bury me, before you put me in the burrow, I made it. I made it in life. How did he make it? What did he do? He did three things. And if you want to end your life for end 2014 or you want to make sure you make it count before you die if you want to leave a legacy if you want life to be more and I'm speaking to those who are anxious and desirous of being used by God or seeing something greater happen I'm speaking to somebody here who really wants more of it I'm telling you that if you really want it that way this is the key to make it Paul says if you really want to make it count number one he says I have fought the good fight stop emphasis he says i have fought the good fight number one number one thing he says i have fought the good fight pastor what are you going to say about the good fight the first thing you need to understand if you want to make it count is that you got to fight you have to fight you will not live this life without fighting you will not live it you are going to fight you're going to argue. You're going to have to fight your way through. And if you say, Pastor, I want to live this life and I don't want to fight through. Well, that's, that, that's impossible. You're never going to leave a legacy then. You know, a person who doesn't fight in this life, every time disaster comes, every time tough situations come, if you just drop your hands and you don't fight back, you say, well, I'm just going to let it happen. It doesn't matter. I said, I failed. You're never going to leave a legacy. People who leave a legacy and make a difference and make it count before life are people that fight. But check it out. I don't want you walking out of here and saying, yeah, so I'm going to go fight this or I'm going to go fight that. No, no, no. He says, I fought the what fight? The good fight. Guys, pick your fights. Pick your fights. Be careful what you're fighting about. Sometimes we dedicate and put all our energy. Listen, you put all your energy into doing some things that aren't so important. You're fighting and you're struggling in some areas and maybe it may be work. It may be a house you're trying to build. It may be something it, but it may be something you're trying to get with your son, but you're fighting this situation constantly and you're trying to make it better. And I'm telling you, the reason it's so empty is because even though it's a good purpose, the fight you're fighting is not the good fight. You chose the wrong thing to fight for. And if you choose the wrong thing to fight for, you're going to mess up drastically. You got to be careful with what you choose to fight for. You got to be able to pick. See, there are battles that you fight that are not eternal. They're simple battles. They will finish. They start, they end, and they had no purpose. And you know what Satan does? Satan fills our mind with the thought of, well, you need to do this, or you need to do this, or you need to do this, or you have to get this right with this person, or you have to fix with this person. And you get so caught up on it, you miss out. And then when you're dying, you say, man, what did I do? I spent all my life. Let me give you a story about Carlos Rodriguez. Carlos Rodriguez spent his life working on his ministry for 20 something years. I mean, I busted my butt. But I did everything possible. I worked myself like a nut to see the kingdom of God grow and to see it expand. Right now, I'm standing here. And as I come up here and I'm standing here and I'm preaching and I'm in pain. And my wife said, you need to rest. And she called Pastor. She said, take over. And Pastor, Chu took over the whole service. And she says, you're going to get up there and preach again. And he says, yes, why? Because I don't want to die and say, I wish I would have got up that day. I remember one day being in church and wanting to raise my hands for the first time. That was the first time I had that experience. They were praising and worshiping and I wanted to raise my hands and everybody raised their hands. I thought raising hands was kind of silly, but that day I wanted to raise my hands. I didn't believe in that. I was saying, what are people raising their hands for? What do they want? Permission to go to bath? bathroom? What are people raising their hands for when they're worshiping God? God is seeing them. They don't need to raise their hand for God to see Him. And see, and here's the thing, that one day it hit me in tragedy because I wanted to raise my hand, but my condition was so advanced that I couldn't raise my hands. I couldn't lift my hands to praise and worship. I remember sitting behind the video booth where they they were recording and I'm sitting there in the main camera and I'm about to go up to preach and they're singing a song and I wanted to raise my hand so bad but I just couldn't pastor why couldn't you because physically I couldn't my body wasn't able to raise my hand and I remember trying to raise it I remember it went about this high and I remember crying saying God I wish so much that right now I could say here God here I am I'm not embarrassed of you here I am I want to live for you I want to love you God you are my everything I wanted to but I couldn't that day and I remember saying God if I ever get a chance to raise them again I promise you every time I can I want to raise him I'm going to lift them up I'm not going to be embarrassed I'm going to say here I am God and I'm going to do it out of my weakness not because that brings me closer to you not because it's needed not because it's biblical but because I need you in my weakness God I want to break down I want to say here I am use me have me I Oh, God, here I am. It's just me. Little itty bitty me. Take me. So I wanted that really bad in my life. And those are battles that you have to wonder about. Are you fighting the right battle? Are you worrying about the right thing? You know, you should worry about the things that you have to worry about you know what's the second thing he says not just be careful with the fight you're picking guys but the next thing i'm telling you and somebody here is fighting the wrong battle somebody here is frustrated because you're fighting the wrong battle and i'm telling you don't just ask yourself am i putting too much effort in the wrong thing because going back to that story i did all that here's the problem to all that i did all that and i was so worried about the gospel and the gospel and the gospel and the gospel i there came a point i was more worried about the physical building than the people in the building and God really told me, well, you think you're doing it for a good purpose, but you're actually unfocused as you're doing it for the wrong purpose. That's why I'm here in North Carolina. I'm here in North Carolina because I found the good fight. I found the right fight. God touched my heart and said, what is it about? Is it about the cameras going on and the countdown and the radio station? And I said, what is it? You know, is it all about that? What is it about? You know, what is it about? I said, God, it's about, it's about helping people to be inspired and come close to you and know you and see you and reveal, you reveal yourself to them in a different way. Helping people get focused to come close to a real God and restore their lives and find that even when you're, when you're grown up in Christ, you still have something that's bringing you closer to him. It's about that. And God said, then go and do it. And he sent me off to the Dominican Republic and then he sent me off to North Carolina. And I found the good fight. If I were to die today, I could say, God, I have fought the good fight. I picked the right one. I didn't waste time on the wrong thing. The next thing he says, he says, I have finished the race. He says, I have finished the race. He says, I have finished the race. What is that, Pastor? You won't just have to fight a fight. You're going to have to run a race. Pastor, I don't want to run no race. You're going to have to run a race. And here's the thing about running a race. You say on your mark, get set, and everybody's lined up, go, and everybody takes off. Here's the thing about running a race. When you run a race, you need to understand that other people are competing with you for one prize that you won. Pastor, what are you saying? There is a prize for you out there. There is a prize for you out there, and you need to run this life to obtain that prize you need to be eager about it you need nobody is going to leave a legacy if they don't say you know what there's a goal and i'm going to go for that goal stop a second do you think about your goals look i have my son here he runs our our youth ministry and as he runs his youth ministry ministry, even if none of you get a word out of this I, i like speaking to his life i'm gonna speak over his life right now I want them to have a goal. I want them to understand that every day you wake up, son, you're going to have a goal. You're going to have to. And they're going to be idiots. They're going to be morons. They're going to be stupid people. that are going to come in your way to tell you what you can and what you can't do. I'm going to tell you. And a lot of them are going to have a great big sign in their forehead that says, I am a Christian. And many of them are going to have a sign on their back that say I am with you. And it's a lie. They're not a Christian. They're not with you. But you got to stay focused on the goal. And when they say you shouldn't have said that or you should have done that, everybody has a different opinion. But you focus on the goal. Remember the prize because if you if you look sideways when you're running, it's a given fact. When you're running, and I talked once to an athlete that was talking to me about being training. When you're running a race and you look sideways, you're unfocused where you're supposed to go. If you look back, you lose terrain on where you're supposed to go. When you're running a race, you keep your eyes focused. Peter knew where he needed to be. He got out of the boat, but the problem is he got unfocused looking sideways when he saw the storm and he sung. You need to keep your eye on the prize. You need to look at what your goal is what is your goal with your children, what is your goal in your career, come on, what is your goal in church, where are you going and if your answer sitting there right now looking at me is, I have no idea pastor that is pathetic and that is sad and that is lonely, you will never have a legacy and time's running and someday you will die and before you die, I am telling you, you need to be able to focus on the prize, but don't just focus on it, I love the adverb right before it, he says I have finish the race. You know what? You will never, ever, ever, ever have a legacy if you quit. You will never. It is so easy to quit. It is so easy to give up. You will never find somebody with a great legacy if you heard they quit. You know, I hear a story about Abraham Lincoln. The guy ran for presidency so many times. I think I put myself in issues. I would have quit before that. You will never have a legacy if you quit. You have to understand that sometimes doors close because God doesn't want you to go that way, but it's not so you say, okay, I'm quitting. It's so you look at it and you say, okay, I got to refocus. Where do you want, Jesus? And you keep your eye on the prize, but you keep on going. You keep focused. You know, there's this ver- there's this-, there's this portion in the Bible. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, I believe it's verse 5. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, I want you to take a look at this. I'll go right back to this portion, but I want you to see this verse because I want you to see how the same Paul writing to the same Timothy, when he tells him about his life, gives him some instructions a little bit before that. And the instructions he gives him are about how how you run the race about certain things that are in the race, and in Second Timothy chapter two verse five, it says the following: It says. But all you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of the ministry. He's saying to them at four five, it's two five. That's what's making no sense to me right now. Okay, it's two five. But while they find here, let me read it to you. I got it here. I got it right here. I got it right here. I got it. Timothy, second of Timothy, chapter two, verse five. It says, uh, it says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing. Competing according to the rules. He says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victory's crown except by competing according to the rules. You need to understand that in this race of life, guys, listen, there are rules. Look at the person next to you and say there's some rules. Look at them. Come on, say there's some rules. There's some rules. There's some rules. Come on, there's some rules. We don't want the rules, but there are some rules. There are some rules. Rule number one. Rule number one for an athlete. Listen, rule number one. This is Carlos Rodriguez, the New American Standard Version, Rodriguez, Puerto Rican. Look, look, rule number one. Rule number one. Rule number one. Rule number one. You got to prepare yourself for the race. You got to prepare yourself for the race. You got to get up in the morning. Every morning, you got to psych yourself up. Come on. Is there anybody in this room who has never been discouraged? on there's times you don't even want to go on you know who your number one fan's gotta be you you know who your number one encourager's gotta be you you gotta get up in the morning and say i'm not quitting i'm going forward you have a purpose with me god You got to psych yourself out. You know, I love going to the gym and I watch the guys working out the gym and I watch what they do and it's pretty funny because they psych themselves out. They put on their headphones and they put on their earphones and they're about to lift weights and you see them going, yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't even touched it yet. Yeah, yeah. And I saw this one skinny guy the other day. He was standing there. He was like, yeah. He put on his headphones. He went like this. He went, he went like that. And I had just lifted the same amount of weights. I grabbed some weights and I did some, some chest. And when I finished, I put him back and he looked next to me. He literally did this. He looked next to me and he went... It was kind of a, come on. You, you I could do better than that. And he did this. And he psyched himself up. And he went. He put on his headphones. And he went. He had it going. He had it going. He was ready. He was sweating. And the guy hadn't even started yet. And he went and he grabbed the dumbbells. And he grabbed them and went. Hm! And when he went down to the bench, literally one went. Tlang! Fell to the floor. And the guy almost hurt himself. I loved it pastor why as soon as he failed he got back up put him there grabbed one that was lighter and went back to it that guy became my hero that weakly flackly that skinny guy became my hero that day you know why not because of the victory he had but because he did not give up to receive the victory after his first failure you don't give up because things are bad in marriage you don't give up Because things aren't working out. God just changes the path, He changes the method, but His purpose with you continues. So you need to you need to understand that verse. Second Timothy chapter 4. And and you need to see what Peter's saying. And what Peter's saying in that I mean what 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 Paul is saying in that verse is that he's very clear. And he's saying, You need to finish the race. You don't start it. You start it and you finish the race to leave a legacy. And the last thing he says is, I have kept the faith. Now I'm going to end this here. But before I end it, I want to be real with you. And I want to talk to you about something. But not out of my words, but out of the scripture. Paul says that he kept his faith. He says, number one, I fought the good fight. Number two, I finished the race. Number three, I kept the faith then I'm going to read a verse to you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It's Paul writing again. And this is what he says. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. He says, everything I'm going through, every hell, every bad experience I'm living has an eternal weight of glory. He's saying, I'm running a race. I picked the fight. I'm going to finish it. And no matter how hard I get hit, no matter what happens to me, I renew myself day by day because I understand that God's glory is greater than my pain. So in verse 18, he says, so we fix our eyes. He's talking about himself, and then he includes me, and he says, so we fix our eyes. He's saying, Carlos, I'm saying to you, hey, you, you fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Those that serve God with all their heart will receive eternal weight of glory upon what they do. So pastor, what are you saying? What are you saying? What I'm saying is the following. To have before you die, before you die. To you, For you to be able to say before I die, before I die. I left a legacy. I made it count. I changed somebody's life. I was a blessing to somebody. Before you died, to be able to say, I made a difference in my daughter. I made a difference in my son. I made a difference in my husband. And when you're done with that season, listen, listen up, listen up. God brings a brand new season for you to make it count in somebody else's life. If you pay attention to nothing, raise the volume. If you give me monitor, if you pay attention to nothing, pay attention to this right now that I'm about to tell you. If you pay attention to nothing, pay attention to this because this is the most important part of the whole thing I've said. If you grab nothing and you forgot everything, please stop one second and pay attention to me on this. The only reason you haven't died yet is because there's something that you do that will cause an internal impact in someone's life and you think you're not worthy of it but let's go back to the cinnamon roll you could make a thousand cinnamon rolls and they were just cinnamon rolls but the day you decided to bake one and wake up early in the morning when everybody else was at home doing nothing you were sweating, and you were making those cinnamon rolls because you thought somebody needed to feel it. That when they walked into I they were loved, and everything was done with excellence. You bake them, and you watch them. What you do is you stare and you watch every single one, of Elizabeth. Every single one of them, because one of those cinnamon rolls, one of them, one of them, is gonna make somebody know that there is a special place they could come close to God and they're going to be inspired by it. So you sit down and you watch it and when you lay it out you could have handed out a thousand but there was one and one person grabbed and left this building thinking this cinnamon roll that smile that song this atmosphere lets me know God's here. So eternally, it changes them, and they say, I want what they have. And when they want what we have, they realize we have nothing in us special except the greatest thing in the world our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords over our life. And we live for His honor and for His glory. And a day like today. A day like today is a wonderful day. Why is today a a wonderful day? Because today, because we dedicate ourselves to eternal things, not temporary things. You want to leave a legacy? What do you wish you did before you died? You want to make it count? Somebody you know has already died and God has given you a chance. Why did God give you a chance? God gave you a chance because you're gonna touch somebody eternally. So you focus on eternal things, not temporary things. Where do you have to put more effort in? When I was a successful business owner had no need to be in ministry. I'm not saying everybody here has got to surrender to ministry and be full-time pastor. That'd be ridiculous and make no sense. That would go against the end of times and what Bible prophesies. I believe the end of times is the end of times for, for, for bivocational and for people who are two who walk with two-handed swords, not one someday. I'll explain that today. It wasn't today. But I will tell you that I believe that my life could have stayed being that business owner and I could have been and I was I, not that I could could have been successful at it. I already was successful at it. I had a lot of money and I gave it up because one day I woke up and I realized that everything I had was focused on non-eternal things. I'm standing in front of one of my stores. I'm having a stroke. My son falls to the floor. Everything disappears. I drive to emergency hospital. I have Josue and Christian's hand. Both of their hands are in my hand and I'm holding on to them and my two little boys are staring at me. I could see them like if it was today, Christian with his white rounded face and Josue with his punky hair and they're standing there right next to the bed and I'm in ER and I'm standing there and I'm looking at them and I have their hands in my hands I'm about to die, I know something is really, really wrong with me and I hold their hands and all I could remember of that ER I can't remember anything else except not letting go of their hands and the doctor saying, please let go please let go, please let go and even though I couldn't say with my Mouth, my heart said, I can't let go. I can't because this is my legacy. That's all I could say in my hand. This is my legacy. I want it to count in their life. I want to fight the fight. I need to fight for them. I want to be able to run the race that God has called me. And I want to keep my faith that no matter what happens, if God promises He will fulfill, I want to run the race. I want to fight the fight. And I want to keep my faith going. And if I could fight the fight, and I could pick the right fight, if I could run the race and not give up, and if I could focus that my God is with me, and that He will not abandon me. If I could keep on that, then and only then, the day I die, I guarantee, I am guaranteed that I die, but my legacy will continue. My name will disappear, but the way I glorified my Father in heaven, I believe there will be somebody else that will glorify my Father and give him all the praise and all the worship and not be embarrassed about God. My legacy will continue. My question is, will yours please close your eyes?